Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. About a year and a half ago, God laid on the heart of our leadership uh, that he wanted to expand what God was doing right here in Oconee County through Foothills. We've seen God do amazing things, but he's freed up our resources where we were able to look and say, God, if we've got more, what do you want us to do with it? And so we started to look at surrounding areas where we could plant more campuses, and God laid on our heart to head towards Pendleton. And before we even got that ball rolling, we started to pray that God would send us a leader. And so literally, it was about a year ago right now that I first got to meet our campus pastor, Joseph Bennett. Uh, One of our staff introduced us. We got lunch, and it was not even five minutes into that lunch when I knew that God's hand and his anointing was on Joseph's life. And God started to work through that conversation and in the Bennett's life and and called them to join in. And so over the last year, uh, Joseph and and their family have been preparing for the launch of this campus, which is going to be in January. And God's moving in incredible ways. But as we were going through preparing for this series, Chasing the Wind, looking at the life of Solomon and looking at spiritual wisdom, Pastor Joseph carries spiritual wisdom in his life. He's, he's a wise individual. He lives the things that he's going to talk about today. The first service was incredible, so I promise you're in for a treat today. Foothills, would you, would you warmly welcome our Pendleton pastor, Joseph Bennett? Thanks. Pastor Kevin, thank you so much. Good morning, Foothills. How are we doing? Yeah, you guys excited to be here? Man, I'm excited to be here today. Hey, let me just say, we have some awesome co-lead pastors here, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. I love those guys, Pastor Greg and Pastor Kevin. They are amazing leaders. They're amazing communicators, speakers, husbands, fathers, pastors. I just love them, don't you? Let's give it up for them. Yeah. Godly, godly men. I think those are all the things you told me to tell them, okay? So, but hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're having a great day today. Man, if I haven't met you, I'm Joseph. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church and what he's going to do here today. But I want to talk to you this morning about success. You know, for success for most of us is defined by how much money we have or what kind of job title we have or what, what even we do in our occupation and different things like that. But, you know, I remember in middle school, we were getting ready to talk about our, our jobs and, you know, they, they come to our classroom and we have the career counselor and it's time to get ready to talk about, hey, you need to be focusing on a career path in your life. And Maybe you remember this. They bring you a list of careers that you're, you know, they tell you, hey, these are, you know, good careers. They're, they're going to bring you a nice living and, and you're going to do great things in these careers. But as I was looking at this list, I kind of got discouraged because I, I looked at this list and I was like, well, my career's not on the list. What am I supposed to do? And I know what most of y'all are thinking. You're thinking, oh, wow, Joseph, that's awesome. You knew when even in middle school you were going to be a pastor. Well, not really. As I looked at this list, you know, for me, I was looking at people who are successful. 
And in the mind of a middle schooler, I'm thinking people that are successful, they have built something amazing. They've got tons of money. They've got tons of popularity and fame. They're famous, right? And for me, the only career path that I wanted to be was a professional wrestler. I don't know about you, but man, I grew up in the attitude era. And if you don't know what this is, this is back in the day when... WCW and at the time WWF were going head to head on Monday nights they had these two shows that were going back and forth as rivals with WCW Monday Night Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw guys these were some amazing times in professional wrestling I really believe this is when wrestling was real or as we say in the south wrestling was real, right? I mean, I wanted to be like some of the big names, you know, I wanted to be like Bill Goldberg and Hulk Hogan and the nature boy, Ric Flair, anybody? Yeah. Woo. Right. I wanted to be like Sting and the rock, but most of all, there was one wrestler who could beat anybody up at any time. And I wanted to be like him. It was stone cold Steve Austin. And this guy was bad to the bone. Guys, I remember I wanted to be just like him. I would get empty Pepsi cans at our house and I'd fill them up with water and climb on top of my dad's truck and bang them together and pretend I was drinking beer just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I would yell to the top of my lungs, and that's the bottom line because because Stone Cold said so. Some of y'all know what that's about, right? I wanted to be a successful professional wrestler, but I realized that my career was going to end very quickly one day. I remember in my bedroom, I had this set of broken plastic shelves and my dad told me, he said, son, those are kind of messed up. You need to take them and put them out by the garbage can and just leave them there. Don't bust them up anymore. Just put them out there. So I take them outside and I remember that I'm training. I'm in training. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. And for me, this day was a special day because we were going to have a hardcore match. And if you don't know what a hardcore match is, that's when the wrestlers grab anything and everything that's at their disposal and beat each other up with it, right? If they've got a trash can, they hit the guy with a trash can. If they've got a stop sign, they hit him with a stop sign. For me, in my case, it was these broken plastic shelves. And I take them out by the garbage can and I'm jumping on them and busting them and hitting things with them and plastics flying everywhere. It's awesome. Well, all of a sudden my dad comes out and he catches me and he says, hey, he says, I told you to just set those out by the garbage can. Leave those there. Look at this mess you've made, all of this. And he goes back inside after he tells me to pick it up. Well, he goes back inside and I'm looking around. I'm like, yeah, it's a big mess. I, I've done all this, but the match is not over. The crowd's still going crazy. I take one last jump off the top rope, jump on this piece of plastic. It explodes. Plastic goes flying everywhere. My feet go up in the air and boom, I hit my head on the tongue of my dad's trailer, busted my head wide open. Blood's going everywhere. I'm like, Man, this is going to make me a famous professional wrestler, right? This is awesome. It was not awesome. 
we had to go to the hospital and, and I had to get four staples put in the back of my head. And that's the day that my professional wrestling career ended. And I remember still to this day, my brother would take magnets off the refrigerator and try to stick them to those staples in the back of my head. I think that's still what's wrong with me now. All of this because I wanted to be this successful professional wrestler. You know, we're all kind of like that, aren't we? Maybe you don't want to be a professional wrestler, but we all hope to have success in our lives in somehow, in some way. Maybe you're here today and, and you're a mom and dad and you, you want to be a not a professional parent, but you want to be a successful parent, right? Maybe some of you, you're, you're a teenager or you're a college student and you're hoping one day that you can graduate. Some of you are, are hoping and praying for success in your marriage. You're just hoping you make it through your marriage, right? Don't look at your spouse. And many of you, you know, you're hoping that you'll successfully retire one day or that you'll have success in your retirement. Whatever it is, we all hope to be successful in some way. And I read the other day that success is defined for some people in different ways. For most people, success is measured by wealth, a job title, and happiness. And I read this definition of success by one person. It says, success is the achievement of a desired goal, such as obtaining name and fame or wealth or a higher degree, for which a person has tried his level best. It is the positive consequence of one's achievement. We all hope to have success in our lives, and we all define that in different ways. And the last week, we just started this series called Chasing the Wind. Pastor Kevin kicked us off talking about King Solomon. And guys, we could agree that King Solomon was this highly successful king. I mean, this guy had everything. He had the name. He had the fame. He had the popularity. He had the possessions, all of these things and more. And here's what he said about his life in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 10. He said, look at these words, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anymore. Solomon called everything he had Work so hard in life to accomplish meaningless like chasing the wind. But today we're going to look at his life. And this is a moment where King Solomon actually did some things right. Like he actually got it right this time. This is when God is giving Solomon the instructions of how to build the temple. And he got it right. I really believe, guys, that God has created you and I with a plan and a purpose in our lives. He wants to use us, and whether you're trying to build something in, in success in your life or whether you don't ever think you're going to be successful at all, I believe there's some amazing things that we can learn from the life of Solomon, this great king who took over the throne of his father David, and he was considered one of the wisest men ever apart from Jesus. We're going to pick up the story here in 1 Kings chapter 6, verses 2 through 7. And I want you to see these, this very descriptive plans of instructions that he fulfilled that God had given him to build this temple. 
And look at how he carried out this plan. 1 Kings 6, 2 through 7, it says, The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide, running across the entire width of the temple. It projected outward 15 feet from the front of the temple. So he's given us these dimensions of how this was built. Solomon also made narrow recessed windows throughout the temple. Look at this. He built a complex of rooms against the outer wall of the temple all the way around the sides and the rear building. The complex was three stories high, the bottom floor seven and a half feet wide, second floor nine feet wide, and the top floor ten and a half feet wide. The rooms were connected to the walls of the temple by beams resting on ledges built out from the wall. So the beams were not inserted to the walls themselves. You can see how descriptive and how intentional the, build of, the building of this temple was by Solomon. But I love verse 7. It says this, the stones used in the construction of the temple were finished at the quarry. So there was no sound of hammer, axe, and other iron tool at the building site. Guys, if you've ever been to any kind of construction site or driven by one or seen one, it's very loud, right? And he basically said that he didn't want any of this done. There was no sound of hammer, axe, or any other iron tool at the building site. So it was done very intentionally with a plan. And it wasn't just any plan. I mean, think about this. To gather all these materials and all of these things, he could not just go down the street to Home Depot or Lowe's, could he? I really believe if we're going to build something for success in our lives, we've got to do some things. We've got to, number one, build with a plan. We've got to build with a plan. Plans are super important, aren't they? Failing to plan is planning to fail. You know, I, I heard recently of a couple who were getting ready to build a house. These are, are friends of my wife, and they're getting ready to build this home, and they've gone to the bank, and they've got their loan and all of these things, but they were planning to build a 2,400-square-foot home. It's a decent-sized home, but when the contractors showed up to build their home, they did not build a 2,400-square-foot home. They actually framed up a 4,000-square-foot home. This is a huge mistake. You might say, that's awesome. They're going to get a, a larger house, but someone has to pay for that mistake. Building with a plan is important. If you're going to build for success, you better build with a plan. Let me ask you a question this morning. What kind of plans... Do you have in your life? You might say, I don't even know what God's plans are for my life. Well, that's okay. Here's the good news. God has given you and I a set of instructions, a set of plans, if you will, called the Bible. You might be here this morning and say, I don't even know how to read my Bible. This is a hard book to understand. Here's, here's what I would say to you just as a next step right now. Several weeks ago, we did a series called The Bible Explained. You can go to foothills.cc slash watch. Check that out. I highly recommend it. That's a great place to start. But Solomon knew the importance of building with a plan. But there was something else he needed to do in order to build for success. And that was number two, to build with people. 
to be with people. He realized the importance of people, that some people have skills and abilities and, and different things that they can do that he did not have. And here's, here's what happens in 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. King Solomon says this, King Solomon then asked for a man named Huram to come from Tyre. He was half Israelite since his mother was a widow from the tribe of Naphtali. And his father had been a craftsman in bronze from Tyre. Huram was extremely skillful and talented in any work in bronze. And he came to do all the metal work for King Solomon. See, Solomon brings in this highly skilled metal worker to do the work. But the work also wasn't done by just Solomon and Huram. Listen to this. It was said that over 30,000 people came from Israel, 30,000 Israelites, and around 10,000 of them worked per month on this project. It's also said that around 150,000 other strangers came and joined in on the project, and 3,300 supervisors joined in on the project. Do you think that Solomon understood that building for success takes people? People are an important Reset, uh, resource that we need to have. He knew the task was too large for him to handle on his own and he needed the help of others. One of the things that we say here at Foothills is that we're better together, right? We're better together. And what does that mean? When Pastor Greg and Miss Liz gathered a, a small group of individuals, around 17 individuals over almost 25 years ago, they prayed and their prayer was something like this. God, send us the people that nobody wants. Send us the unchurched. Send us the unreached people. And now look around and see what God has done today. We've got way more than 17 people. We're an amazing church. There are teenagers here. Where are you at, teenagers? Any teenagers? Wake them up if they're not awake, right? All right. We've got young adults, we've got middle-aged adults, and we've got what I like to call seasoned adults. Y'all thought I was going to call you old people. I'm not stupid, right? Y'all might be a little bit salty, but I'm not dumb. I'm not going to call you old, right? Seasoned adults. Think about this, guys. We also have white people. We have African-Americans, we have Hispanics, and that's growing even more with Foothills Espanol. We've got other different ethnic groups. We're a multicultural, multi-ethnic church. It's amazing what God has done. We're mopeds to Mercedes. We're all of those things. Guys, look, we've even got Clemson fans. We've got Georgia fans, Tennessee fans. We've got Pastor Kevin, who I don't understand why, is an Alabama fan, right? We've even got, I'll say it, some Gamecock fans, right? Let's be honest. Some people are a little more difficult to love at times, but we're trying. I saw a shirt one time that says, Jesus loves you, and I'm trying. I, I love the honesty behind that, right? But we're made up of all different kinds of things, and here's the deal, when we're building for success, we need people. You know, I heard one time that you can go fast alone or farther together. We are better together. If we want to have success in our lives, we need each other. You and I weren't meant to live this life alone. We need each other. We have to build with each other. And 
Solomon realized this. After he got some plans together, he got some people together, it was time to build. And this is what he knew, knew he needed to do in order to build for success. Number three was to build with a purpose. I mean, think about it. Most things in life are built with a purpose, aren't they? McDonald's. There are McDonald's all over the world, all across the world. You can go anywhere in the world, boom, there's the golden arches, there's a McDonald's. And what is McDonald's purpose? They were built to sell an edible food-like substance. You thought I was going to say hamburgers. I'm not, I'm not convinced that's what they are. I mean, let's be honest, y'all. What is a McRib anyways, okay? But their purpose is to sell hamburgers, right? And Solomon knew that in order to build this temple, he had to have a plan, he had to have people, but he had to build with a purpose. And the purpose of building this temple was so that the presence of God could dwell there. And after he built this temple, what he did was dedicate it to God. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 12 through 13. Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness. But look at verse 13. Now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever. Do you see the intentionality behind this? Whatever you are building in your life, make sure you do it with a purpose. In other words, make sure that it has meaning. If you're building for success in your life, are you doing it for your own success or are you doing it for God's success? Colossians 3 and verse 17 says this, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving him thanks through him to God the Father. You know, I was reminded of a couple of Months ago, our, our Foothills Pendleton group, we've been gathering together, if you don't know this, about almost every Sunday night over in the Pendleton community. And what we try to do is, we, you know, we met as a community group and we have Bible study and things like that, but we also have moments where we just got together and hang out. And I remember this one particular Sunday on a Sunday afternoon, we had rented a picnic shelter over at Lake Hartwell and, and we were gonna go there and hang out and the purpose of that was just to basically you know, hang out together and grow in relationships but that day we show up and people start coming and, and I get ready to go over to the picnic shelter that we had rented and I look on this picnic shelter and there's one problem. As I'm looking at the columns of the picnic shelter, there's these pink balloons, and then this party streamers and more balloons. And then I, I look inside the, the picnic shelter and I realize there's about 20-something people there. And they're not part of our Pendleton group. And I'm like, what are we going to do? So I, I call the park ranger and I, I'm like, hey, did, did we make a mistake? You know, we, we thought we paid the fee in time to rent this picnic shelter. And No, you guys are Foothill Church. You know, it's, it's on the your name's on the thing. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And the park ranger finally shows up and uh, I'm like, good. You know, these people, they got to go. They got our spot, right? And they weren't just having any kind of party, guys. It was their one-year-old little girl's birthday party. 
And I'm like, oh no, this is so awkward. This is so bad. So the park ranger shows up. He's getting ready to throw him out. But I walk over to our group. And I talked about how Solomon said he built with a purpose. And I started talking about our purpose as a church, which is to help people find and follow Jesus. And I'm talking to our group, and I was so proud of our group. We all agreed. None of us were like, we're not kicking this family out. We're not going to do that. That's not the kind of church we want to be. And I told the park ranger, I'll handle this. And I start walking towards this picnic shelter, and this group of guys start walking towards me. And guys, these guys look tough. I mean, they look kind of rough and tough and, and uh, like they've probably been in a few bar fights or so before. And I'm like, okay, here we go. This is where we're going to throw bows. I don't know what's going to happen. And he's got his chest puffed out. And I immediately say, hey, man, listen, we don't want to throw you guys out. We want you guys to enjoy this special day because this is a special day you'll never get back with your little girl. We're not that kind of church, you know. We, don't, we didn't want our name on the news saying that we threw you guys out. We got in a fight over there by the lake. We want you guys to have a great time. And guys, I was so proud of our group. By the end of that afternoon, we were inside the picnic shelter with them singing happy birthday to their little girl. It was amazing. But it was, I was reminded, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus and see God has a greater purpose than ours. Let me ask you a question. What's your purpose? What's your purpose this morning? What are you building in your life? And what do you want God to do in your life? Lastly, building something for success with a purpose, there is one last thing I really believe is imperative that we never ever leave out. And that's number four is build with prayer. After Solomon had gathered the people together he had the plans. He knew what the purpose was. They got together and they prayed. Look at this in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 20 through, 22 through 24. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted up his hands towards heaven and he prayed, O God of Israel, there is no one, no God like you in all of heaven above or on the earth below. You kept your covenant and you show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant, David, my father. You have made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands, you have fulfilled it today. Solomon knew that in order to build for success, he had to build with prayer. Prayer was an important part of building something. Let me ask you, is it an important part for you? Guys, if I'm honest with you this morning, there's so many times in my life I'm trying to do things and get things done and get this task done and do this and do that, and I fail to stop and ask the only one who can help me, the only one who can fix my problems, the only one who can strengthen my marriage, I fail to stop and ask him. But think about this, guys. We serve a God who is all-knowing. He has all power, he has all wisdom, he has all knowledge. Why would we ever exclude him from our plans? It's important that we build with prayer. So after Solomon built with a plan, he built with people, he built with a purpose, and he built with prayer, here's what happens next. Something amazing happens. 
Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 through 14. It says, The trumpeteers and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. They basically got together and they had this amazing worship service after the temple was built, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. It says they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And watch, here's what happened. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Do you hear that? The glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. The presence of God filled this place. After they had planned, after they had got people together, after they had built it with a purpose, after they had prayed, they stepped back and said, God, now it's up to you. It's only you and you alone. And the presence of God filled the place so much they couldn't even hardly have their worship service. In other words, they could do nothing but stand in awe of God's presence. How many of you know that we're launching a campus in Pendleton January the 8th? Man, we are so excited about that. You know, one of the things that I, I do with my kids on the way to school is we play a game. And I love to play games with my kids. I love to laugh with them. And one of the games that we play, we drive right past Pendleton High School where we're going to have this campus. And one of, the, one of the games that we play on the way to school is, you know, sometimes we count mailboxes. We count how many houses have American flags. This one's really fun. We count how many porta potties we see. It's great. You should try it. But this one morning in particular, we counted how many excavators we saw. You know, an excavator's got the big arm and it pulls dirt out of the ground and moves dirt and all this. And as we were going and taking them to school, within a six-mile stretch from my house, just near Pendleton High School, we saw around 16 excavators. And these excavators weren't just sitting there with no one working them, but they were moving the dirt. They were cultivating the ground for something to be built, some kind of structure to go up. And I got to thinking, man, how awesome is that, that eventually there's going to be a business there. Eventually there are going to be homes there that people are going to occupy. And what is all that representative of? That one day when we launch this campus, there's going to be people there that we have an opportunity to help find and follow Jesus. And I was thinking, man, for months and months and months, we have, you know, got these plans together. We've been planning and planning and planning. And then we've, we've tried to gather as many people as we can. And, and maybe that's some of you. You still would like to be a part of that. We'd love for you, to, but we we love for you to join our, our launch team, but we're gathering people together. And man, we, we realize our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus in this Pendleton community. And man, we have prayed. And, and now we're stepping back and, and we're praying that on January the 8th, when people come from there on out, God is going to fill his house with his presence. And here's what's going to happen. You know, we've done everything in our power to be obedient, but basically the results are up to him. This is what I believe, and this is what I'm praying for, and I pray you're praying for it too. I believe that 
Those 16 excavators represent houses and businesses that represent people that are going to occupy them and people that don't know Jesus. And we have the opportunity to help people find and follow Jesus. And on January 8th, here's what I'm believing, church. I'm believing that we're going to see lives transformed, that we're going to see people baptized. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see marriages put back together. We're going to see addicts lay down their addictions because that is God's plan and purpose for our church. Amen. You believe that this morning? We've got an amazing opportunity and that's how we build for success. We do everything in our power to do. And at the end of the day, we say, Lord, it's yours. Whatever you want to do, I'm here. And, and that's my prayer for you in your life. You might have plans. You might have people in your life. And, and all of those things are important. You might say, I know what my purpose is. And you might have prayed and you said, God, you know, do what you will. But I really believe when we respond in obedience and we say, Lord, here's my life, then his presence will fill us. See, when Solomon said, Lord, here's your temple. We built it for you. We've done everything for you. God responds to our obedience and he fills us with his presence. He shows up. And you know that the Bible calls our bodies the temple of the Lord. He desires to fill you with his presence. And listen what he says when we receive him. We receive the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens. We receive these gifts. Galatians 5.22 says that but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Guys, here's the thing. The presence of the temple did not bring about God's presence among the people. Only obedience will. Only obedience. Just because we've done all these things... And we've done them for us doesn't mean God's going to fill us. Only obedience will. Only our response to him. So let me ask you this morning, what step of obedience do you need to take in your life? What's the next step of obedience for you? Does that mean you need to be part of the launch team? Maybe God's calling you to be a short-term missionary and go and serve with us over in Pendleton for a little bit. Maybe God is calling some of you to take a next step right here at Foothills and you have an amazing opportunity to do that even today. If you've never been to our next class, it's happening right after this service over in the student venue from 12.30 to 1.30. It's a free lunch, free childcare. You're gonna hear about you know, how our church started, where we're at right now and where we're going in the future and how you can get plugged into the vision here at Foothills of helping more people find and follow Jesus. You have a great opportunity to take a step of obedience. But for some of you today, I believe the step of obedience you need to take, that's one of the most important steps, is to give your life to Jesus. And when you do, he promises he's going to fill you with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, all of those things, self-control. When we respond in obedience... We leave the results up to him. God shows up. So what step of obedience do you need to take in your life today? Would you bow your head and pray with me this morning? You know, I don't know what that next step looks for you, but 
looks like for you, but maybe you're looking for a step of obedience in your marriage, your relationships, your job, some kind of step in your life. What do you want God to do? He's got a purpose for you. This morning, just take a moment. Say, God, what's the next step of obedience you want me to take in my life? He'll show you. Say, Lord, I'm yours. The end of Solomon's life, he said the greatest thing to do is to trust and obey God and his commandments. So ask God to show you, Lord, how do I need to obey you? For some of you today, you just need to take the greatest step of your life. It's a bold step, but I promise you it's the greatest step. And give your life to Jesus. And if that's you today and you'd like to do that, I'd love to pray with you and lead you in a prayer. The prayer may be different than the words that I say, but it matters the intent of your heart. You could just pray a prayer like this. Just say, Dear Jesus, I need you. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Lord, I know that without you, I can do nothing. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you for rising from the dead three days later. And Lord, I give you my life. Today I respond in obedience to you. Would you help me to live my life for you? Lord, I don't know what the next days are to come, but Lord, I trust you with my life. I ask you to use me. I pray this in Jesus' name.